As I get started here, I want to uh, just say thank you, Kathy, for being willing to uh, stand up here and share about your experience at City Team and serving with GRX um, and the way that God is uh, working and speaking. The, um, one of the things I love about our church is the openness that, uh, that our community has to being uh, led by God, move into places that maybe are a little uncomfortable or a little stretching for us, that we grow as followers of Jesus Christ. So Kathy, thank you for sharing. Um, next week, as has been mentioned already, we're going to have Nathan and Priscilla come and share here about their continued work in Asia um, fighting human trafficking. And so some uh, folks uh, that may not know who Nathan and Priscilla are, Nathan is a, a man who came to faith here in the GRX community. He became a follower of Jesus among us, and we are a church that continues to support him. We're a home church for him. So every year in January, we come and get to hear from them as well. Um, I uh, am going to start a new series today, and the series is called The Mission of God. The Mission of God. And thinking about this time of year, thinking about Nathan and Priscilla coming, thinking about our participation around Christmas time with City Team, started causing me to think about mission. Certainly think about how cool it is that our church is involved in so many ways, uh, participating in what God is doing in the world. And I was thinking how it's not distance that makes somebody a missionary. It's not how far away from home that you are that makes you a missionary. What makes you a missionary is openness to participate in God's mission. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this. Uh, now, we've just come through Christmas. We've just come through a whole series looking at who is the Christ of Christmas. We looked at all through the Advent series, we looked at all these different names and all these different images of Jesus. So we saw how Jesus was the light of the world, how Jesus came in to be the light of the world. And then we looked at how there was a great name of Jesus. He was called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And that Christmas reminder that God is with us wherever we go, that Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. He's God's gift. He's God's gift for us. And then he also came to be Lord and Savior. He came to fill us. He came to be our Savior for people that need a Savior. And so Christmas time, it just it feels like um, uh, a lot has happened since last Monday. But it was just last Monday that was Christmas. And then I started thinking about, well, after Christmas, after the birth of Jesus, I mean, that's, that's great. Christmas is fantastic, and we love celebrating. But Jesus came for more than just Christmas and Bethlehem and the manger. That Jesus Christ himself came as an expression of the mission of God. That Jesus came as an expression of the mission of God. So for the next six weeks, we're going to look at the mission of God, and we see that ushered in and initiated in the life of Jesus Christ. 
We're going to look at these two big themes over the next six weeks. And George, if you could put up that next slide. There's two big overarching themes that we're going to look at coming out of Christmas. And it's one, the mission of God. What is God's mission? And then the second thing, our participation in that mission. What is our participation corporately? And then what is our participation perhaps individually? What is our participation? There's the big mission of God and then our participation. We'll hear a little bit from the chants next week. You heard a little bit from Kathy with respect to City Team. But even personally, where we work, our school, our family, what is our participation in God's mission? But we'll look at the first part first, the mission of God as seen in Jesus. So we're going to take a passage very early on in the ministry of Jesus. It's Luke chapter 4. It's when Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And like we're gathering today for worship, the community would gather together for worship in Nazareth. And part of their worship is they would stand up and read out of Scripture. And so Jesus is going to stand up and read out of what we know as the Old Testament. But what he's going to read is he's going to read about God's mission and his participation in this. So this is, you know, this is as Jesus very early on, Jesus um, as a young man. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He was born in Bethlehem and then brought up in the town of Nazareth. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So they're all gathered for worship. He's in the community of worship and he reads. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so that's, that's the scene. Jesus, who grew up in Nazareth, it was like Jesus was part of like the youth group in Nazareth, and then he grew up. I don't even know, they didn't have kids zone, but it'd be like if they had like Sunday school, like little Jesus, and then junior high Jesus, and then high school Jesus, and then young adult Jesus. Like they knew him. And then he came and he stood up in front of the whole church the whole synagogue, the whole community. And then he read that passage. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's what he did. That's the scene. And then the narration in Luke goes on to say this. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and then he sat down. And then it says, and all the eyes, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Just imagine, it'd be totally quiet. 
And they're all looking at him. What is this? And then he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And what's so radical about this is that there, here are these people who have known Jesus since he was a little kid. And then he says, this incredible scripture, this incredible scripture about proclaiming good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the captives, liberty, it's being fulfilled right now in Jesus. Right now, he says, in me. This is the mission of God. How radical that people who knew Jesus would now see it expressed in him. Now, what Jesus is trying to tell the people that knew him and what the word to us, even as we're reading this 2,000 years later, is that this is the mission of God as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is these things to proclaim good news to the poor, George, can you put up the next slide, please? This just summarizes what this Isaiah passage is. This big thing to proclaim good news to the poor. That's why Jesus came at Christmas. To be Lord and Savior, to be the light of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, to proclaim good news to the poor, salvation in Jesus Christ. And then notice how underneath that good news to the poor, these other things are elements of that. Good news is proclaiming liberty to the captives, proclaiming recovery of sight to the blind, healing is good news to the poor, to set liberty at those who are oppressed, those who are poor politically. It's good news to be free and then to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim that the blessing of God is now among them in the person of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of this hangs on that very first part, that the good news proclaimed to the poor, liberty to the captives, the mission of God is captivated in that, proclaiming good news to the poor. Now, when we read this as modern people, and we see that word, the poor, it might be pretty easy for us to think about someone that's economically poor. Like we think about the homeless men and women who we met at City Team, the economically poor. But if you were there in the time of Jesus and you were in that Mediterranean world and in that culture, this idea of proclaiming good news to the poor is not just economically poor. It has a much wider definition in that Mediterranean culture. And it means not just economically poor, but that one's richness is all tied up in issues of power and status and place in society. So that your riches or your richness or your your lack of poverty, your rich experience of life is connected to your education. It's connected to how much education you've received. It's connected to your gender, that men were richer than women. Men had more power than women. It's connected to your race, what race you were, what ethnic group you belong to, 
Actually, when I started thinking about that and looking at the Mediterranean world, I was like, wow, maybe that's not so unlike our culture after all. But there's more things connected to what it meant to be rich or poor. Your family, your lineage, which house did you come from? Did you come from a house with a good name or a house with a bad name? We have a little bit of that. You come from the house of Rockefeller or are you a Kennedy? It's a little bit older, for, but a little bit of that for us. Also, your richness was come with religious purity. Were you religiously pure? And could you afford religious purity? Even your job, your vocation, what kind of job did you have? Spoke to kind of your power or your richness in society. Even owning land. Now, if you lacked any of these things, gender, ethnicity, race, education, all of these things, if you lacked any of those, then you experienced some level of disenfranchisement. You were on the outside of society in that Mediterranean world. And so the poor would be anybody that would be considered on the outside looking in. That you had diminished status that you were diminished in honor in your place in society, that people looked down on you, that people disregarded you, that people discounted you, that people dismissed you. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience in your life where someone, because of some reason, they dismissed you. But if you've experienced that, that would fall under the category of poor because that's what we're talking about here in the Mediterranean world. You're someone that's an outsider that because of any of these things and many of these things beyond your control, you're dismissed by the power of society or by a powerful person in society. And so when Jesus comes to say, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, it's to everyone who's ever been dismissed. And so it's not just the economically poor. It's the socially poor. Or it's the spiritually poor. Those who maybe don't feel like they belong in society or spiritually they don't belong even with the people of faith. And I'll tell you even now, I've run into people who, as I talk to them and they find out that I'm a pastor, even now, they don't feel like they are worthy to come into the church or they don't feel like they're worthy to come into the presence of God because they feel spiritually poor. And I would say, if you feel poor spiritually, socially, even economically, it's this word for you. This is why Jesus came. If you feel poor, this is why Jesus came, to proclaim good news. It's to these people who are poor that Jesus directs God's good news. That it's not socially or spiritually or economically what allows you to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. It's actually the poverty and the disenfranchisement and feeling disregarded. It's actually all of that 
that Jesus says, oh, you feel that way? I've come for you. I've come to be your savior. You feel empty? I've come to fill you. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And this is the mission of God as seen in Jesus Christ. To proclaim good news to the poor, freedom and inclusion into the family of God, release from oppression and captivity, oppression and captivity to, of course, sin and brokenness, but also condemnation, guilt, being put outside, being as an outsider. And so that the mission of God comes as seen in Jesus Christ in salvation. Not just in the salvation we're going to get into heaven, but salvation in the totality of that word. That our relationships are saved. Our social uh, standing is saved. That our economics are changed. That a wholeness, a shalom, comes to every part of our being. That there is a richness in our whole life. That is the salvation that Jesus came. That we would be free and liberated from anything that holds us captive or tells us that we're on the outside. That is the salvation that Jesus brings. And Jesus' participation to be the Savior of the world. That Jesus' participation in the mission of God is to be the Savior of the world. To bring that salvation. That's what the angels announced when the angels came and told the shepherds about the coming of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, 8 to 11 The shepherds are out on the hillside. They're keeping watch over their flocks by night. And then this is what Luke says. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. The poor. All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who will bring salvation. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the mission of God as seen in the life of Jesus Christ to bring salvation to the world through his son. And I was thinking about this salvation, this mission of God, and I came upon this question that I wanted to ask us in the GRX community. It's the mission of God, salvation of the world. But I was wondering, Is the mission of God the same for everyone? Or is it different? I mean, I kind of, the mission of God, salvation of the world. 
We're followers of Jesus Christ, so we participate in that mission. But is it the same? Like, is it the same for the people in this section here? Is it the same for these folks over here? Like, is the mission of God the same for everyone, or is it different? And so the answer I came to was, yes. It is the same for everyone. And yes, it's different. It's the same for everyone because when I look at the mission of God, I see that God desires for people to grow, to have a saving relationship through Jesus Christ. Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So in that big idea, the mission of God is everyone, is the same for everyone, that everyone would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And yet, at the same time, the mission of God is different. It's different for each person. Just, just go with me a little bit to if I just summarize these job descriptions for people in the mission of God. The job description for Jesus in the mission of God, the Savior, that's his job description. Okay, so that, that's not my job description. That's not your job description to be the Savior. That job's already taken. But we also participate. The Apostle Paul, he participated in the mission of God. But what was his role? It's not to be the Savior. Paul's role was to plant churches. He was a church planner. That was his mission. John the Baptist, his role wasn't to be the Savior. People even actually wanted John the Baptist to be the Savior. But he goes, I'm not the Savior. The one coming after me, that's the one. My job in the mission of God is to be the herald. I'm announcing. I'm announcing that the Savior is coming into the world. What's your role? What's your role? This might be a question that you might want to consider asking over the next six weeks as we look at the mission of God and we hear from different people who are participating and walking in their understanding of their participation in the mission of God. The reason why I said you may want to ask this question, God, what is your mission and how are you inviting me to participate? The reason why you may want to ask this is because this is a very scary question to ask. The problem with this question is that if you actually hear an answer to this question, then it might then further call you to then participate in this answer. And that is very scary. And that is very scary. Um, it's kind of an awkward question. Um, but if you know me, I really like awkward things. 
And so I'm just going to try to have us be a little awkward as we step into this. This is a scary question. I mean, you could almost ask the first one, God, what is your mission? Okay, to be the savior of the world. But then the second one, how are you inviting me to participate? It's scary because, well, you guys are smart, right? If you hear that God's inviting you to participate, it might create these spaces that create uncertainty for us. It might shake our world a little bit. It might call us to places of greater discomfort or places where we don't have as much control or might feel very scary to us. Um, Let me tell you guys, um, those places where we start to feel that are the places where we can grow. Those are the edges where I really think Jesus wants us to be, to grow, to be more like him as followers. And this is why I love our church, because there's so many people here who are willing to stand on that edge. And whether it's to be bold at work, or to say something to someone, or to go on gleanings, or even to participate and join us with City Team, when maybe walking with and talking with and praying with homeless people feels a little bit like outside the comfort zone. I love that our church is a kind of a church where people are stepping into those places and are growing. So this is what we're going to be looking at for the next six weeks, and I invite you, if you'd like, to step into this. It's kind of a cool thing. I mean, this is the last day of 2017. It's kind of a cool thing to consider in the new year. God, how are you inviting me to participate in your mission? Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you that you call us to be like your son, Jesus Christ. That you call us to participate in sharing your good news to the world. And so, God, I ask that in different kinds of ways, you might prompt us. God, it will be scary, but I pray, God, that you would give us courage, that we would ask the questions and be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.